You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with an update on a story we first told you about last night. The disturbing video of a homeless man being sprayed with a water hose on the front stoop of an apartment building in Vancouver's Railtown, not far from the downtown east side. We're now hearing from others with another side to the story. Grace Key reports. It's shocking to watch. A building manager is caught on camera hosing down a homeless man who refused to leave the entrance of a condo building in Vancouver's Railtown neighborhood. A resident living across the street recorded the incident. That's human rights. I'm calling the cops on you. He was covering himself with his blanket or his jacket and was being hosed down and eventually he dropped his jacket and you could see his face. He was crying, he was screaming, and he was very upset. But a friend of the property manager's says people aren't getting the whole story. The manager's partner asked the man to move along. She returned an hour later to find him still there, and that's when she was allegedly assaulted. He, among other things, called her the N-word. He uh, peed on her, um, and when she moved away, he spit on her. There was human feces, urine, and needles at the entrance. Hosing down the area after asking people to move along is normal practice, and most of the time people cooperate. Being homeless does not give you a pass to be racist and misogynist. You don't get a free pass. <laughs> you still have to be um, a reasonable human being. Yeah, I filmed that. I filmed that. He's got to deal with it. He's on the front lines of it. I get it. But to me, that crosses the line when you put somebody in a dangerous situation. The neighbor who recorded the incident gave the homeless man some dry clothes. The property manager did call the police and warned the man several times he was going to spray the area. Vancouver police are now investigating. Grace Key, Global News. Many students in B.C. were supposed to be back in class tomorrow with the end of spring break. But with COVID-19, well, it means classes are still suspended. Many school districts in B.C. are now in the middle of trying to figure out how to conduct online instruction with people banned from gathering in groups for the foreseeable future. Keith Baldry joins us now. And Keith, we'll start with the message. Don't take your kids to school tomorrow. Yeah, certainly not. Uh, classes are cancelled. Uh, schools, though, so many schools are going to remain open, and more about that in a moment. But here's basically the message I got from the Education Ministry today is this. Don't uh, send your children to school tomorrow. Keep them uh, home or wherever you're going to keep your kids. Teachers should also not go to school. They're going to continue to work, but they should contact their principals and their vice principal to find out a plan of action going forward. Uh, so th that's going to unfold over a period of days. Now, healthcare workers on the front line are deemed essential workers. Workers, they're going to be asked to contact their, their local school principal and find out what the plan is for them because there is an expectation that schools will be open so healthcare workers can put their kids there uh, so they can continue to work to fight the COVID-19 uh, virus. And that's, uh, that's going to have to be worked out over a period of days. They hope to have those plans in place by Friday, April 3rd. It's going to take a little time to work out, but uh, that's the plan of action starting tomorrow. Okay, and what can we expect from tomorrow's pandemic briefing? 
Yeah, no briefing today, uh, as is usually the case. Both uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix take today off in front of the media, although they're still working. But because we had no new numbers today, the last number update we got was yesterday at noon. So it's going to be a pretty big number, unfortunately, if the pattern holds. Uh, probably well in excess of 100 new cases sometime tomorrow. Announced at 1.30 here uh, in Victoria. And again, keep an eye on the hospitalization rate. It's been going up about 5%, which is not that bad. Uh, and we expect that if that number holds, that's... Uh, actually potentially rather encouraging. So we'll see what the numbers are uh, when Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix give us their daily up, uh, briefing tomorrow at 1.30. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Keith. A petition has been launched calling on parking fees at hospitals to be waived for on-shift frontline healthcare workers during the crisis. As Julia Foy reports, there's a growing response to that call. The pressures on healthcare workers continues to mount as the numbers of COVID-19 patients grow. But a new problem is popping up that's caught many off guard. Nurses are getting ticketed uh, when their parking meters are running out, uh, when they're working very long hours in the acute care facilities or other healthcare facilities. And so it does seem to be an increase uh, on parking tickets. One interior healthcare worker posted a photo of her $80 ticket that was waiting for her after work. The last thing they or any other healthcare provider needs uh, right now is to worry about whether or not they're going to get a parking ticket because they worked longer than their normal 12-hour shift. An online petition against parking fees has received over 2,200 signatures. The frontline worker who started the petition asked to remain anonymous. They claim a letter was sent Sunday to Premier John Horgan, which reads in part, I feel for my colleagues in many hospitals who have had the extra stress of paying for parking each day on top of everything else we are going through. Therefore, I've started a petition to allow free hospital parking throughout BC for all workers in healthcare during this public health crisis. The BC Nurses Union says some tickets have been cancelled or reduced when nurses contacted parking companies, but they say we need to ensure nurses can stay focused on their jobs and their patients instead of parking. Some are telling me they've had to leave COVID meetings, planning meetings to go out and plug the meter in uh, or leave the bedside and that's just unacceptable. Julia Foy, Global News. Airbnb is stepping up to help house thousands of frontline workers during the COVID-19 crisis. The short-term rental marketplace says it's partnering with its hosts to connect 100,000 healthcare workers, relief workers and first responders with clean accommodations that will allow them to stay close to their patients while safely distancing from their own families. Hosts can provide their places for free to frontline workers. Airbnb is currently waiving all fees. BC's restaurant industry is urgently pleading with the federal government to help it survive the outbreak. With some business losses up to 90 percent, as Paul Johnson reports, there are fears many restaurants won't reopen. Okay. All right. We'll see you at six. Thanks a lot. A precious customer calling in for a takeout order. Dustin Dockendorfer is thankful to fill it. Pretty dire. Uh, we went from a team of 40 down to a team of four to provide takeout to the neighborhood. Figuring out how to pivot and succeed in takeout only is the immediate challenge for restaurateurs like Dockendorfer, a co-owner of Autostrata, an Italian restaurant on Vancouver's Main Street that was just hitting its stride after two years in business. 
The longer-term challenge is how to cover expenses in the coming months. Business models changing a little all the time, but we just know that rents due in a few days, and this is the only way we can uh, find a way to make that happen. We had to lay off about 40 of our employees, every one of them. Autostrata is one of the BC restaurants behind this new online campaign, One Table, that hopes to persuade government to offer some kind of financial relief to the restaurant business to get them through the current situation and the expected lean times that may fall. Right now what we need is someone to loosen the noose around our necks. The government's going to have to backstop the banks. Ian Tostenson is the president of the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association. He says 160,000 British Columbians in the industry are now out of work and the government needs to figure out a way to make cash available quickly. Business owners should be able to go to his bank, access the $50,000 immediately, that's cash, and then if they want to pay the subsidy to their employees of the 75%, what they need is be able to access that and almost get an advance on his payroll. While it's indisputable that many in this sector are now facing an existential crisis, one challenge will be how to stand out among all of the other industries now looking for government relief. We're being told help is on the way. What is that? What does that look like? When Paul Johnson, Global News. All these... Vancouver Shangri-La is the latest hotel to shut down temporarily during the COVID-19 pandemic. The luxury hotel on West Georgia Street will be ceasing operations tomorrow until further notice. The Shangri-La says the safety and well-being of its guests and employees is paramount and it will be closing to help combat the spread of the virus during the provincial and citywide states of emergency. Cancellation charges will be waived for anyone who booked on or before April 30th. A downtown Vancouver, London drugs has reopened after one of its pharmacy staff tested positive for COVID-19. Customers once again going through the doors at the pharmacy chain's busy Granville and Georgia location. The store was closed Saturday for a deep cleaning and sanitization after one of its pharmacy staff members was confirmed to have the virus. The employee had not... Uh, had, didn't have symptoms when they last worked at the London Drugs on March 18th, and he is now self-isolating at home. Following the all-clear from Vancouver Coastal Health, the store was able to open the doors again this morning. The closure of bars, pubs, restaurants, even playgrounds has turned usually bustling parts of our cities into ghost towns. For years, the city of Kelowna has had the ability to track how many people are congregating in various spots. And as Jules Knox reports, it's providing a snapshot of our new activity patterns during this lockdown. There's small boxes, or sometimes simply marked by lines in the pavement. Barely noticeable, pedestrian trackers are spread in unobtrusive spots throughout the city of Kelowna. And they're giving the city real data in the drop brought about by pleas for people to stay home. Everything's kind of showing us that uh, things are entirely different than they were before. People are taking social distancing seriously. Matthew Warona, the city's mobility specialist, says the city started installing the trackers approximately six years ago. They give data in 15-minute intervals, so while the trackers can't be used to catch congregators, they do illustrate where people are going to get outside. On those multi-use trails that are wider, where people feel like they can social distance, 
we're seeing a, a, a large bump of activity. Verona estimates there has been a 20% bump in the use of the rail trail, mostly in the afternoon and evenings. Morning commuters, he says, have dropped off. Basically nothing else is happening the rest of the day and everything's happening in this kind of evening time frame. And that activity is so high that it's bigger than we've ever seen before by a large margin. He also says more people are mounting their bikes. Knowing that it's probably easier to social distance when you're on a bike, and people have kind of been hearing that from a whole bunch of different sources. Verona says the city hasn't ever seen a drop this large and changes in trends this quickly since the pedestrian trackers were installed. And the data, he says, suggests most people are largely following the rules. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. A man was fatally stabbed at a house party in Kamloops this weekend. Officers responded to a 911 call late last night to an apartment complex on Carson Crescent. A 59-year-old man died at the scene. Three men were also stabbed, two of them suffering life-threatening injuries. A 43-year-old man was arrested hours later. Police say it appears the victims and the alleged assailant knew each other. An explosion rocked a construction site on the UBC campus early this morning, igniting a fire. It happened in the parking lot of an eight-story building under construction near Westbrook Village. No one was inside. Firefighters managed to quickly bring the fire under control. The cause of the blast isn't known, but it may have come from one of the propane tanks on the property. Vancouver police confirm officers responded to reports of graffiti at several locations in southeast Vancouver yesterday. So far, no word of any arrests. The BPD's hate crimes, graffiti and diversity units are all investigating. It's been one week since Vancouver's mayor acknowledged his city was a national embarrassment for running afoul of the physical distancing needed to help stop the spread of COVID-19. So is the threat of hefty fines for sticking together finally helping to keep us two meters apart? Kristen Robinson has a reality check. At Empire Field, this is as close as it gets. Physical distancing, not ingrained yet, but it appears Vancouver is on the right track. More than a week ago, the Peony turf packed with people playing contact sports. I want to give Vancouver a shout out. Uh, we're doing much better this week. On the streets, couples stopping to chat while staying two meters apart. Outside the grocery store, shoppers lining up on the mark. The city worried when the sunshine brought people out to socialize in groups. A week later, with the threat of hefty fines for ignoring physical distancing directives, Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young says the message is clear. To see the visible signs for people, so when they went and they saw the tennis court or the basketball courts that were taped off or the playgrounds that were taped off, I think that made it real for people. But those great strides not evident everywhere. Seawalls all over the city still bustling with people stopping and standing together. Park rangers patrolling for social distancing scoff laws. Listen, back up, give space. It's not that you may not be worried about getting it, but it's who you can give it to. Surrey's Crescent Beach, also a work in progress. The city teaming up with RCMP to tackle complaints about citizens getting too close. It is extremely important that everyone isolates. And there have been uh, a few questions recently about, well, does that mean I can go for a walk if I keep uh, separate from people by, by two metres? 
The answer is yes, but only if you have not been diagnosed with COVID-19, have no symptoms of the virus, and have not traveled outside of Canada in the past 14 days. Otherwise, stay home. Kristen Robinson, Global News. As government officials work to find solutions to the ever-changing problems caused by this pandemic, one suggestion is causing a bit of a stir. Today on Global News Morning, former Surrey Mayor Diane Watts spoke to the issue of COVID-19 and the concerns surrounding a possible outbreak within the homeless population. And her comments, well, they're raising concerns. Because they are high risk, they're vulnerable. The spread of that virus through that population um, could be like off the charts. Uh, in CFB Trenton uh, back east, they've set that up. Um, the the base here in, in Chilliwack actually um, as a training center right now would be a great opportunity to really get people out of that uh, the downtown east side into an area where they can can be safe and get the supports that they need. Chilliwack was quick to respond, saying in part, I called Diane to see what she was thinking and to let her know that the old base has been transformed into a vibrant community. She was unaware that the area is now home to the Canada Education Park and the popular neighborhood of Garrison Crossing, adding, while I understand how important it is to protect our vulnerable and high-risk populations, it isn't a situation that can be easily addressed by transporting large groups of people experiencing homelessness to a different community. The COVID-19 crisis has hit many charities hard. One Surrey-based charity is hoping the public doesn't forget the community's most vulnerable citizens. Night Shift Street Ministries has been providing a hot meal every night to homeless and needy people for more than 15 years. They also provide counseling and support services. But the current health crisis has caused a shortage of food and volunteer helpers. So the charity has been forced to rethink how to meet the needs of roughly 150 people who rely on them every day. From Night Shift's perspective, uh, we're going to keep going until we can't. Because if we're not serving the vulnerable uh, sector out there, who is? Who is? And that, that's a huge concern for us, yeah. A COVID-19 protocol is now in effect for search and rescue teams, but the pandemic is not stopping outdoor enthusiasts from venturing out. Two hikers are safe after getting lost in a snowstorm at Okanagan Mountain Park last night. The pair in their mid-20s was able to bushwhack to a cell tower and hunker down. A dozen Central Okanagan SAR volunteers responded, including two with a track-equipped UTV to minimize their exposure risk. They ended up walking into search to reach the hikers and masking them up in N95s for the walkout. Everyone in B.C., including 2,500 search and rescue team volunteers, is supposed to be self-isolating. If a rescue call comes in now, crews have to get together while trying to maintain physical distance on the search. When the subject is found, a series of questions is asked to determine if he or she has been exposed to COVID-19. If so, only first aid members can stay close. A stretcher rescue involves at least six to 12 people, while helicopter pilots need to be masked. Despite many parks and recreation areas being closed, the number of searches has not gone down. What we're asking people is uh, to, to enjoy the outdoors. It's great mental health, uh, but stay close, uh, stay on the flat ground, uh, areas that you know, trails that you know. It, now is not the time to look.
look at that peak that you're trying to beg for the last two years and go, I think I'm going to do it this week. It's not the time to do that. Uh, stay safe. Uh, stay close to home. Let's not put others at risk. Trudeau announced new funding for children, seniors, the homeless, and those who are at risk of harm within their own homes. He says the federal government will be funding $7.5 million for more counselors and trained volunteers for the Kids Help Phone. He also is giving $9 million to the United Way Better Home Programs for seniors and $200 million for shelters. The Minister of Seniors, Deb Schulte, is announcing $9 million through the New Horizons for Seniors program to the United Way for everything from health check-ins to grocery delivery. In fact, the United Way is already stepping up. Here in Ottawa, they're helping people like you with things like meal delivery. And a reminder, children in need of support or counselling during these troubling times can call the Kids Help phone 24 hours a day. That phone number is 1-800-668-6868. There are hundreds of Canadians stranded aboard a cruise ship waiting to pass through the Panama Canal. Ports won't let them dock, and as Global's Chris Chacon explains, one Edmonton couple on board says the COVID-19 is spreading, and at least four people on board have died. It was meant to be a vacation of a lifetime for Edmonton's Paul Major and his wife Ellie. Their trip started off like any other cruise ship vacation, packed with entertainment, luxury dinners and port visits. But halfway in, things took a turn in the wrong direction. We've been sitting in the Panama Harbor here. This is our third day here now. The couple set sail from Buenos Aires, Argentina on March 7th, just days before the Canadian government advised that Canadians should not go on cruise ships. We knew there was problems with cruise ships in Asia, but uh, South America had really very little um, COVID uh, being reported the time we left. That did not last long aboard the Zandam cruise ship. We knew for a week or so as we were kind of moving north that there was people who weren't well on board, both crew and, and passengers. Uh, but once we got here into Panama, um, that's when the captain came on in the morning that said that four people passed away during the night. Global Affairs Canada has confirmed that the four who died were passengers and none were Canadian. In a statement, they add that healthy passengers have been transferred from the MS Zandam to the MS Rotterdam and efforts by like-minded missions in Panama have secured passage for both ships through the Panama Canal today. Additional medical supplies were delivered yesterday for those on the MS Zandam. We continue to engage with passengers and Holland America regarding these ships. If we'd have known that uh, there was concerns about the cruise and the fact we might have trouble getting off the cruise again, we would have simply bought our flights and come right back home again. Holland America Cruise Line says more than 130 people on board the Zandam have flu-like symptoms. Out of the 247 Canadians on board, the majors were transported to the Rotterdam ship. The ship has been denied permission to dock at its original destination in Chile last week, and now there is no clear answer to where the majors and other passengers might be able to get off. Krishikon, Global News. Global Affairs Canada confirms that a Canadian was killed on a plane that burst into flames in the Philippines. It caught fire while attempting to take off from Manila's airport bound for Japan. The aircraft was carrying eight people. There were no survivors. Airport officials say the plane was on a medical mission to bring a patient to Tokyo. They report a Canadian and an American national were on board along with six Filipinos. 
Just one month after the U.S. reported its first COVID-19 death, America has become the epicenter of the pandemic. The death toll doubled in just two days, and America's top infectious disease specialist is now warning that millions of Americans face infection and 200,000 people could die. Already, more than 136,000 people are infected and more than 2,400 have died from the virus. Late today, President Trump sent a warning to Americans saying the worst is yet to come. The peak, the highest point of death rates, remember this, is likely to hit in two weeks. Nothing would be worse than declaring victory before the victory is won. That would be the greatest loss of all. Therefore, the next two weeks and during this period, it's very important that everyone strongly follow the guidelines, have to follow the guidelines. Trump announced today that he is extending federal guidelines for social distancing until April 30th to try to slow the spread. Jennifer Johnson has the latest. America, now the world's epicenter of the pandemic. In another attempt to contain hotspots, the Centers for Disease Control has issued a new 14-day travel advisory for people in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. The states with more than half the country's infections and nearly half the deaths. This is not a lockdown. It is a travel advisory. It's nothing that we haven't been doing, right? Non-essential people uh, should stay at home. The travel ban does not apply to essential industries like trucking. Tighter restrictions aimed at slowing the spread of the virus expected to only get worse. Looking at what we're seeing now, you know, I would say between 100 and 200,000 cases, but I don't want to be held to that because it's, it's, it's uh, excuse me, deaths. I mean, we're going to have millions of cases. The U.S. death toll doubled from Thursday to Saturday as cases of the virus skyrocket in big cities like New Orleans, Milwaukee, Chicago and Detroit. Many governors say there is no way things will start opening back up around Easter time, as U.S. President Donald Trump had suggested. The Washington metropolitan area has, uh, Maryland, D.C. and Virginia, quadrupled in the past week. And we see that continuing to grow exponentially. And we think uh, in two weeks around Easter, we're going to be looking a lot more like New York. Hundreds on the front line are getting infected. Over 500 police officers in New York City alone. Cedric Dixon, the first detective to die from the virus. We are hurting, we are crying, and we continue to fight. Makeshift medical centers are rapidly being built by U.S. soldiers across the country as COVID-19 patients overwhelm hospitals. These beds are for virus-free emergencies. We want to make sure that we can offload those patients to a hospital setting that is going to be safe and efficient for them. With millions of businesses shut down, America's unemployment rate continues to rise. Experts say the virus could leave 20 percent of the country unemployed. The White House says it's hard to know. It's hard to predict these numbers because we've never had anything like this where we've shut down the U.S. economy for medical reasons. Americans facing uncertainty on both economic and medical fronts as they try to survive this pandemic. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. They are essential to maintain our supply chain, but long-distance truck drivers say their situation has become much more challenging. As Morgan Campbell reports, social distancing efforts are impacting their access to amenities while on the road. Life on the road has become rather difficult for truck drivers as they haul from point A to point B. When I left two weeks ago to go to work, I made the decision that I'm not going back to the East Coast until it's done. I've got to stay for uh, until Tuesday morning. My family is just a mile away. 
I'm staying at a hotel. Ugh, I want to go home. Josh O'Keefe and Alan Dove haul produce between Canada and the United States, both unable to go home due to the ongoing pandemic and need Canada-wide to keep supply chains open. Both classified as essential workers, truck drivers are allowed to cross back and forth, but doing that job has become particularly difficult with limited access to places to eat, shower and shop. There was a little bit of a, a little bit of worry with SARS. And, uh, but nothing like this. I, I mean, I'm driving down, I'm driving through cities and there's no traffic. Dropping a load at the Sobeys distribution center in Whippy has become more difficult. They have limited access to facilities for cross-border drivers, all precautionary measures in light of COVID-19. They've blocked off driver's lounges. There's no access to actual proper washrooms. Their idea of a washroom was a porta potty out in the parking lot. On Sunday, the Prime Minister acknowledged the hardships professional drivers are facing while trying to balance their own safety and the safety of others. We need to keep working to try and make sure uh, that we can continue to get these essential goods uh, while people are uh, taking risks by continuing their essential work. And this is what that essential work looks like, confined to a truck nearly 24 hours a day with only an eight-foot bunk, TV, and mini fridge. Some would call these drivers the unsung heroes, the ones who have put their own lives on hold to ensure Canadians still have food to put on the table. Morgan Campbell, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Why these hospital workers in a Barcelona hospital are clapping as a patient is gurneyed down the hall. We're going to have that story for you right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, you and I have been in this building for a very <laughs> long time today. So That's I don't even, gone. Yeah, I don't even know what's going on with the weather. Well, it started off a bit gray with some wet weather and then it actually broke out. We saw some breaks, some sunshine for many areas across Metro Vancouver, especially towards the west, eastern areas and stretching into the Fraser Valley. Still a little bit of instability and we may even see an isolated shower this evening and leading into the overnight. A beautiful shot. This is overlooking English Bay. Temperatures today bumped up into the double digits for most areas. Areas. Here's a quick glance. So we are still looking at some instability. Some cloud cover is going to roll in this evening and some pockets or isolated showers, especially towards the Fraser Valley. A beautiful shot of the sunrise captured this morning. So thank you so much, John. This was taken in Victoria. The daffodils today in Abbotsford sent in from Joyce. So thank you so much for that great shot and some physical distancing. 100 Mile House so sent in from Jamie. This is a great shot of her family getting together or catching up, but doing some physical distancing. So getting out for some fresh air and with the dogs as well. Okay, so instability. We've still got a front that's moving in across the province, the southeastern corners, uh, even seeing a few uh, thunderstorms rolling in. And we are still looking at a significant amount of snow, especially for traveling along the mountain passes. The winds are ramping up and there may be limited visibility. So a heads up and do check in with Drive BC before you do head on out. Here's the wave that we're tracking this evening, overnight and for the early morning hours. So most areas. It's still a chance of showers. It'll be much drier through the day on our Monday, but we are still looking at a few isolated showers for most areas right along the south coast and tomorrow afternoon, the northern and western edge of the island, also looking at the risk of thunderstorms. 
It's snow, however, overnight and through the day tomorrow if you're traveling along the mountain passes. Here's a look at some of the amounts that we'll be looking at. First off, temperatures for Metro Vancouver dipping down to 6. Most of the shower activity overnight and for the morning hours and then much drier for the afternoon getting up to 10. So limited visibility for many of the mountain passes. The snowfall warnings have ended. Not quite snowfall warning criteria, but still a significant amount for the Kootenai Pass, 15 and up to 20 centimeters. Allison Pass still up to 20. Rogers Pass the Coquihalla from Hope to Merritt, 5 and up to 15 centimeters of snow does continue through the day for tomorrow. And the Pine Pass with lesser amounts between 4 and up to 8 centimeters. Northern half of the province, most of the rainfall will be for the morning. Much drier come the afternoon, but still seeing a fair bit of cloud cover. Early morning hours for Smithers, light snowfall. The, nor- snowfall, the northeastern corners of the province, 2 and up to 4 centimeters of snow. And much of the central interior will still be seeing light snow changing over to rain. Columbia and Kootenai also seeing that instability and it's really higher elevations along the mountain passes. We are still seeing that snow through the day on Monday. A much drier day if you're planning commute will be on Tuesday. Whistler could get clipped with some flurries changing over to showers. The instability is there for the northern and western edge of the island to see the risk of thunderstorms. All areas across the south coast will still see showers overnight for the morning hours. A few breaks or dry conditions come the afternoon. Unsettled blip in the forecast will be on Tuesday and looks like we'll rebound Wednesday, Thursday quite pleasant into the rest of the week with some partly cloudy skies and some sunshine in the mix. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. We're taking every chance to celebrate good news during this trying time, and so it appears are the healthcare workers in Spain. Medical staff at a hospital in Barcelona clapped and chanted on Friday as the first COVID-19 patient was transferred out of their intensive care unit and into a general ward. Spain, along with Italy, has seen the highest death toll in the world with more than 15,000 fatalities between them. And doctors, nurses and police officers in Spain participated in a round of applause Saturday night in solidarity with those involved in fighting the coronavirus. Outside hospitals in Madrid and Sabadell, police and firefighters cheered on healthcare workers at 8 o'clock local time before they eventually returned to work. The ritual takes place every night. Kind of reminds us, uh, Barry and mm-hmm. Devon, of uh, our healthcare workers. Yeah, just about 20 minutes, <laughs> 7 o'clock, get out there, make some noise. Make some Your noise. Pots and pans ready. Yeah. Anyone suffering from stress or anxiety brought on by the pandemic can now look for help online. A Toronto based professor has provided a free online course on dealing with emotions arising from the complications of this increasingly distant society, social scene. Albert Delatala has the story. A man photographing his dog might be the most normal thing happening at Toronto's Young Dundas Square. But these are not normal times, as people stay home amid the COVID-19 pandemic. This is really my first time out, actually, in, since the beginning. Connor Rose owns his own business and is used to working from home. But that doesn't mean the last few weeks have been easy. Even my family's scared to, like, hug me and stuff. So, yeah, I've been lonely in that sense, but... Otherwise, I'm doing fine. Many turning to video chat to maintain social connections. I've just been like making use of like FaceTime. Uh, this is an app called House Party and just talking to friends and talking to family. I speak to my friends like on live video and stuff like that. So that really helps out a lot. All of this change in our social lives from physical distancing to working from home affects everyone differently. One University of Toronto professor actually designed a free online course to help people cope. 
to really feel better and to really manage your, your anxiety, I think it's really important to understand what it is, how it comes about. Professor Steve Jordan's launched his course on the Coursera platform this weekend to help people manage their mental health amid COVID-19. Part of that means dealing with anxiety and not letting it become depression. That's the really scary one. Anxiety is, is something you can manage and, and be very productive. Depression is really scary. Uh, that's when people give up. Another online resource, free calming webinars by the Toronto-based The Anger Managers Clinic on how to navigate all the emotional uncertainty. We don't know what the future is going to look like. We don't know what today is going to bring. Your stress has your glass completely full and then something else comes along and you're you break down. There's a two foot stick right now, two two meter stick distancing me from the interviewer. As Connor Rose adapts to the freedoms he's lost for now, he finds purpose in the reasoning behind it. It kind of sucks, but I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? To prevent the spread, right? Albert Delatala, Global News. Britain's Prince William and his wife, Duchess Kate, urged people today to take care of their mental health during this pandemic. The last few weeks have been an anxious and unsettling time for everyone, tweeted the Kensington Palace. The tweet continued to say that we have to support each other and find ways to look after our mental health. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge visited a National Health Service call centre in South London last week before a lockdown was put in place. There's been a lot of talk lately about a drug being tested as a treatment for COVID-19. And now we're hearing from the president of the BC Pharmacy Association on that topic. The compound is called hydroxychloroquine. It's an anti-malarial drug already approved by Health Canada to also treat ailments like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Three prominent medical colleges in the province issued a joint statement last week urging against the use of any unproven treatment for COVID-19. But the recommendation specifically excluded clinical trials, which are underway in COVID-19 hotspots around the world, including at the Lynn Valley Care Centre in North Vancouver. Medical experts say it's too early to tell if the drug will be effective, and it needs to be kept in stock for the tens of thousands of British Columbians already taking it for other ailments. Like everyone else, I mean, I'm, I'm anxiously... Uh, as anxious as anyone else to hear some good news and hope about a clinical trial or something that helps us get a finger hold on treatments for COVID-19. Right now, it's too early to tell. And it's important, uh, you know, it's not like this drug has been gathering dust on the back of the pharmacy shelves. These medicines are in use regularly for people who need them. And ear, nose and throat specialists in the U.S. who want the loss of smell and taste to be added to the screening tools for COVID-19. Some evidence has surfaced from cases around the world that patients report losing those two senses. Researchers say people with those symptoms alone should alert medical professionals for possible testing and self-isolation. Global News is a proud partner of Canadian Transplant Association's Green Shirt Day, presented by Vistaprint Corporate Solutions. Wear green on April 7th to show your support for organ donation and in honor of the Logan Boulay effect. Register as an organ donor, tell your family, be inspired. BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer challenges British Columbians to move every day in May. Whether you walk, run, bike, or dance, you can help raise vital funds for those affected by the disease. See their website for details. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. 
All right, Barry is here with a look at sports. Barry, I continue to be amazed at how you find material when there are no sports going well, on. Well, it's a skill. I'm kind of like that, uh, the minstrel they bring in to make the king laugh. You've <laughs> got to do something at this time just to, to lighten the mood. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, you know, we haven't heard from the Canucks, really, since the NHL shut down back on March 12th. The players have all gone back to their homes all around the world while they await a return to work. Bo Horbat did do an online chat where he touched on a few subjects not to do with hockey. Bo talked about uh, he and his wife Holly getting ready to welcome their first baby this July. And he was also asked who amongst his teammates he would and wouldn't like to be quarantined with. Um, most quarantined with? I don't know. I'll, I'll go with um, Sutter. Uh, him and I are, are pretty close and um, you know share similar... Uh, interest and stuff like that so i'd have to go with him and least Ooh, i'm gonna have to go with Vertanen. i don't know yeah i always just like getting under his skin and chirping him so that's all i'm gonna say from that <laughs> my wife and i just painted our uh the nursery actually last night it's uh, my first time painting so um it's a little a uh, little rough around the edges but um no it was uh yeah we're just pretty much preparing for the baby here in uh, in july at the end of every news hour, we are honoring the sacrifices of our healthcare workers and their selfless dedication during this pandemic. Yvonne, you've been getting a lot of nominations, right? Yes, we have been. And thank you for all your emails nominating BC Healthcare Heroes. Tonight, we're thanking the emergency unit at Lionsgate Hospital for holding a message saying thank you and that they hear your 7 p.m. cheers. Thank you to all of them. If you'd like to nominate a BC healthcare hero, email us at healthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. A great shot of the group there at Lionsgate Hospital and a big shout out to them. Okay, now, Barry, you're, you don't live downtown, so do you hear any of this noise at 7 o'clock? Uh, well, usually I'm here at 7 o'clock. Well, when you're not so, here. Uh, no, I, although I hear a lot of noise, just not for them. Uh, I'm out in the lane, kind of, not really. I'm way out in the in the uh, country in Langley, so not really. But uh, people are, you know, people are, are very thankful. And, and uh, if you have conversations with people from a distance, everyone's very thankful for no kidding. not only that, but like grocery store workers and all people who are helping. All of them. Mm -hmm. All of them. And we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Jordan will be here at 11. Thanks for joining us. Stay healthy. Stay safe.